0: Welcome to the Get Fit Guy's quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I am the Get Fit Guy. The ergogenic effects, or performance boosts, of caffeine on muscle endurance, muscle strength, anaerobic power, and aerobic endurance are significant. But do you have to forego your morning cup of joe for a while to really feel those effects? A few years ago. I was preparing to race an Ironman 70.3, which is a half Ironman, in Syracuse, New York. And you know what? My training was going really well, and my confidence was really high. So high that I got it into my head that I may actually be able to qualify for the World Championships. And for somebody like me, qualifying for that meant that I would really have to go the extra mile, (laughs) the metaphorical mile, that is. So I started looking into some of those more fringe and perhaps less significant advantages that I could incorporate into my training. Things like drinking beet juice and taking ice baths. And for two weeks before the race, abstaining from my most beloved of beverage-based drugs, Caffeine. I know, right? Now, the point of this coffee abstinence was to allow my body to regain its sensitivity to caffeine. Then, in theory, when I had that big cup of glorious coffee on race morning, well, I would really feel it. Now, in the end, I'm not sure that I actually did feel much more of a caffeine rush than I normally do, but what I did feel was that lack of caffeine in my system for the two weeks leading up to the event, and let's just say I was not my usual chipper and positive self. Now, you may be asking yourself, why did I focus on caffeine? Well, caffeine is well known to enhance and prolong exercise performance. Most specifically, doses of 3 to 13 milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight have been shown to improve exercise performance. Now, how does it do that? Well, caffeine's stimulating effect on the central nervous system has been shown to reduce feelings of fatigue and lower perceived exertion and even lower levels of perceived pain. Caffeine also improves mental acuity and sharpness. It helps maintain laser-like focus and it even improves some technical skills both during and after strenuous activity. And If that isn't enough, it's also believed to enhance the body's ability to use its own fat as fuel, which can effectively increase the time to exhaustion in many endurance events. Now, to get a little nerdy and a little sciencey for a second, the theory is that caffeine blocks something called adenosine receptors in the brain and that leads to higher levels of dopamine and noradrenaline, which both can lead to all the aforementioned magical performance boosting benefits. So why do you need to abstain from caffeine? Well, it is believed that the easiest and the most effective way to get a performance boost is by first allowing your body to regain its natural state of sensitivity to caffeine. At least that was a theory back in my racing days, and it holds true in most circles today too. And that means, well, going cold turkey for 10 days to 2 weeks. But... In 2017, a study in the Journal of Applied Physiology from the University in Sao Paulo tested this assumption, and the researchers did that by taking 40 well-trained cyclists through a series of time trial events. Each event lasted 30 minutes and was performed by cyclists who were either having nothing but water, taking a caffeine placebo, or taking an actual 6 mg per kilogram dose of caffeine one hour before the trial. And these lucky folks only had to abstain from caffeine for about 24 hours before each event. At the beginning of the study, each of the cyclists was asked about their caffeine drinking habits. Then, based on their answers, they were divided into one of three caffeinated groups. The low group, which was... 2 to 101 milligrams per day, the moderate group, which was 104 to 183 milligrams of caffeine per day, and the high group, which was 190 to 583 milligrams per day. The initial assumption for the study was that the lesser caffeinated cyclists would experience the biggest boost in performance, and the higher caffeinated group would see the lowest boost, especially since the abstinence period was so short, just 24 hours, in contrast to the two weeks of caffeine deprivation that I inflicted on myself. Now, not surprisingly, the caffeine did boost everyone's performance and speed by 2.5% on average compared to the placebo group. It also boosted everyone's performance by 3.3% more than the plain water group. Now that is interesting in and of itself because there was a 1.2% placebo advantage. But okay, placebos aren't what we're talking about today. For that, you can actually go back and check out my article called Can the Placebo Effect Enhance Athletic Performance? And, spoiler, yes it can. But what I'm talking about right now is that this study's results showed that there are only minuscule differences between the three caffeinated groups. The highly caffeinated fiends got the same amount of boost as the cyclists who barely drank any. That's good news If you're as, well, dependent on caffeine as I am, but you still want to use it on race day or before a big workout. All right, now let's talk about getting habituated to caffeine. Now, more recently, in a study that was called Time Course of Tolerance to the Performance Benefits of Caffeine, researchers put a group of 11 lightly caffeinated volunteers through two 20-day regimens, conducted one week apart. During the first 20-day regimen, they were given 3 mg of caffeine per kilogram of body weight in pill form, Which doesn't sound that delicious, but like I said earlier, 3 mg of caffeine per kilogram of body weight is a pretty standard athletic dose. Then, for the other 20-day regimen, the participants got a placebo. Now, here's the killer part. Before, after, and 3 times per week during the study, the participants were put through a VO2 max test plus a 15-second all-out bicycle sprint. Now, if you know anything about VO2 max tests, those are killer. The point of this torturous testing and retesting was so the researchers could track exactly how the participants' performance changed and adjusted to this new, regular intake of caffeine. And the process was applied exactly the same way during placebo week. The study data showed that immediately... On day one, the caffeinated participants received a 5% boost in peak power compared to when they were given a placebo. Then as the study went on, this boost actually stayed mainly intact for a few days. Then on day 11, the researchers switched things up and did what they called a manipulation check, which meant instead of taking a pill before the tests, the participants were given their caffeine after the tests. Now, this is important for two reasons. By doing this, the participants continued their caffeine habituation, but the researchers got to observe that the caffeine and the placebo effect were the same, even after 11 days of habitual caffeine intake. Now, in the paper, the researchers actually wrote, and I quote, We hypothesize that caffeine ergogenicity would be progressively reduced when this substance is consumed day to day in a moderate dose for 20 consecutive days, but that it would still be ergogenic after a short habituation protocol. And that is exactly what they saw. Now, in plain English, the participants got the biggest boost from the caffeine in the first few days. Then it gradually tapered off. But, and this is an important but, it didn't drop to nothing. Even on day 20, the participants were getting a boost that was similar to the one they got on day 6. So yes, habitual caffeine usage does lower its performance-enhancing effect, but not all that significantly. Sure, if you're attempting to win a race by seconds or tenths of a second, a detox period might be handy. But in my experience, well, the sorrow of going without my beverage of choice for two painful weeks during a time that I was training, recovering, worrying, planning, traveling, and doing all the other stuff that an athlete does before a big race well, that was much more detrimental to my overall happiness and performance than, well, a small drop in the ergogenic benefit of caffeine. Now, in the end, I did not qualify for the championships, and no, I can't blame caffeine on that one, but that's a story for another day. Right now... Let's sum things up and talk about how you can use caffeine to your advantage. So to take full advantage of the ergogenic effects of caffeine, it is best to have that big cup of joe about 60 minutes before the race or the workout or the event. But make sure that you try this out on a low pressure, non-critical day, especially if you're not used to taking caffeine. You may want to take it earlier if you get too jittery, or you may want to drink it later if you have a quick-release bladder. Now, as I said, you should choose a dose based on your body weight. Until you establish your own tolerance level, start low and work up to a higher dose. The dosage ranges are generally 1.4 to 2.7 milligrams per pound of body weight, or, like I said before, 3 to 6 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. In practical terms, this comes out to about 200 to 400 milligrams for most people, although some studies actually say you can go as high as 600 to 900 milligrams. And I suggest that you check out an article by the nutrition diva, Monica Reinagel, for more information about the health benefits of caffeine. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes over at quickanddirtytips.com getfitguy. Again... Keep in mind that caffeine can have some interesting effects on the body, and that means it's best to avoid being surprised by them on race morning or before a big important event. Especially when all you have to rely on are those public porta potties, if you know what I mean. And I know that you do. All right, that's it for this week, but make sure you tune in next week because I'm going to go back to grade school and <laughs> tell you all the things that I learned on my summer vacation. Now, it's going to be more interesting than it sounds. Now, Get Fit Guy is written, narrated, and produced by me, Brock Armstrong with editorial support from Karen Hertzberg. Our audience development and marketing coordinator here at Quick and Dirty Tips is Morgan Ratner. Our digital ad operations coordinator is Michelle Margulis. Our digital assistant is Emily Miller, and our vice president is Kathy Doyle. Now, what are you waiting for? Get out there and have a nice cup of coffee. Te presentamos a Daniela. A ella nada le sorprende. Siempre estoy lista para lo que venga. Por eso... Este año fui a Walmart a comprar todo para combatir mis alergias antes que comience la temporada de alergias. Claro, porque Walmart tiene... Productos de alta calidad para las alergias como
1: descongestionantes, sprays nasales, antihistamínicos y más, y a precios muy buenos.
0: ¿Y sabías que también tiene pickup y delivery? ¿Ah. Daniela, ¿te sorprendiste?
1: ¿Yo? <risa> no, qué va. Claro que sabía que Walmart tiene pickup y delivery. <risa>
0: <risa> Bienvenido a una farmacia más simple.
1: Bienvenido a tu Walmart.